0: Hey everyone, Matt, Alpine Moon Games here. Episode 2, we're just going to jump right in here. If you remember from our first episode, I touched on how I started getting into the game, and I touched on how I really enjoyed uh, the Return to Ravnica block, um, just the Return to Ravnica set and Gatecrash in general. So today we're going to dive on in and talk about uh, Dragon's Mage, which is the third set in the Return to Ravnica block. Um, When dragon's maze uh was announced you know it got me pumped because I mean it was all ten guilds in one set um and I know if you played during dragon's maze I'm sure you're probably thinking that i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and bash uh dragon's maze because um compared to the other two sets in the block um it was it wasn't as great and um I think people forget that dragon's maze actually did have a lot of good and fun cards but i want to st- just start off with going down to my local game store um the intro packs for um for dragon's maze were they're actually they're actually pretty good um they didn't have one for each guild but there was one for azorius orzoff uh racto simic and gruel and i chose orzoth as i touched on last episode uh orzoth was my favorite guild and i i was st- stoked for um after looking at like the deck list and everything like that um it was Tesa envoy of ghosts who was the front of the orzoth one uh was the rare in the front and she was four four uh vigilance protection from creatures for five a white and a black so for seven and also had whenever a creature deals combat damage to you destroy that creature and put a 1/1 white and black spirit creature token on uh, on some battlefield with flying. So I mean from a casual standpoint that's pretty powerful. I know Seven's kind of expensive, but she has vigilance and protection from creature. So I mean in a sense unblockable and I mean whenever a creature deals combat damage to you destroy it. I mean that's pretty good. And I mean, for seven, I mean, a casual me would definitely is definitely willing to go for that. And I thought every one of the uh every one of the maze runners, is that that's what they called them in Dragon's Maze, which is like the rare legendary creature that each guild got, uh was pretty good. Um again, they didn't make an intro deck for each one, but Taysa was the Orozov one, and I was pretty excited about that one. The Azorius one was pretty good too. That is Lavinia of the tenth. Um. And uh, she is a protection from red four four for three a white and a blue and when she enters the battlefield detain each non land permanent your opponent's control with convert a man cost four or less oh uh, that's pretty good um I did get a Lavinia uh when I made my Azorius deck I definitely uh, she was definitely something I built around um and the intro deck itself was pretty good um it came with a Martial Law for its other rare. And a Martial Law is a enchantment for two and two white, where at the beginning of your upkeep, uh, detain target creature and opponent control. So um, obviously Martial Law is a pretty good card. And then the other Orzhov rare was Crypt Gas, which was two and a black for a two, two with X store. And whenever you tap a black uh, or a swamp for mana, you get to add another swamp. So basically every swamp you tap, uh, you're getting two, which I thought, was obviously pretty good. And again, the X-Store is just a very nice extra ability to have. Um, another one of the intro packs uh, was Exava, Rakdos, blendwitch And I know, I know maybe, maybe last episode, I might've been a little hard on Rakdos in terms of the Unleash ability, but Exava definitely helped in terms of making Unleash uh, respectable in the sense that she is a 3-3 First Strike and Haste for two black and a red. And, uh, other creatures you control with a plus one, plus one counter counter on it uh have haste. So definitely more aggro, uh, for sure. Um one of my friends had a Rakdos deck and I, I remember Um Exaba in that deck made it pretty good. You'd have to deal with her pretty fast if um uh pretty fast if you didn't want there to be any problems. Um another one of the um intro pack rares, and this is what my good friend um, chose, my one friend who got me into the game chose, and he chose the Voril of the Hallclade. Uh, he was Simic's uh, Maze Runner and Intro Pack leading rare. Um, and he was really good. I, I, I mean, he still uses him in a lot of scenarios uh, to this day. Um, Voril is a 1-4 uh, Human Merfolk that's 1 a green and blue and has pay a green and blue tap, and for each counter on target artifact creature or land, put another one of those counters on that permanent. So... I mean, as you can imagine, in a Miracle or in a uh, Simic Evolve deck, um, or any deck that has counters on it. It's just it's counters too, it's not just plus one plus one counters. Um that's pretty good. And like I said, he's been able to do some pretty wild things um using Boral the Hall Clade. Um I mean, like I said, I mean I, I he's gotten a um he's gotten some creatures that have over uh, you know like thirty counters on it and stuff like that. It's just pretty ridiculous. Um so I thought Voril was pretty good. Um another one of the uh the gruel intro pack, like I me- I know I mentioned it last time was Ruik Thar the Unbowed. Um this this boy was six six for four a red and a green. He has vigilance and reach, has to attack each turn of Able, and whenever a player casts a non creature spell, Ruik Thar... Deal six damage to that player. Um, yeah, uh, he caused a lot of issues. Uh, it was just like one, I mean, when we would be playing like you know a game with like three to four players, it, we had to decide who was gonna you know take the six to use a removal spell on him. I mean, he was really tough to deal with. I mean, especially the reach too. I mean, you I kind of forget about that ability. I forgot that he had reach. So I mean. Again, I mean, he has to attack each turn if able, but I mean, it's a six-six, so it, you know he's pretty big, so he can deal with a lot of things. Um, another the other intro pack starter. Uh, or not intro pack starter, but just going off the other um maze runners. Um, Veral's the scar uh, striped was a two-two for a. Uh, one a green and black, so he was Golgari. He gave each creature in your graveyard Scavenge, and the Scavenge cost is equal to the uh, mana cost of that creature. And then you can sac a creature to regenerate of uh, Um, he was pretty good. I remember. Um, I remember. I'm pretty sure I got one of him in like the two packs included in my intro pack, and I thought it was great for my Golgari deck. Um, Golgari was one of my first decks I had. Um, and I didn't really use Scavenge like to the best of its ability. Cause I really did like scavenge. I just, I don't know. I thought some of the scavenge uh, costs were kind of expensive. Um, but he definitely helped out a lot in the sense that I was able to have more creatures with scavenge and he, you know, he was kind of tough to deal with too. I can sack a creature to regenerate him. So I thought he was pretty good overall. And then just the icing on the cake for my already powerful Selesnia deck at the time was Imara Tondris who has preventable damage that would be dealt to creature tokens you control. Um, yeah, so like I said, imagine I'm out there with three Armada Worms, so basically I have six 5-5 five five Worms with Trample, and I play this, and damage can't be dealt um, to my 5-5 five five Worm tokens, or any tokens for that matter, especially if I fetched a, um 8-8 Elemental from the Grove of the Guardian. Um, she just again and she, her herself is five seven she was a five seven uh for five um a green and a white so five seven for seven but prevents all damage that'd be dealt to creatures you control so i definitely was pretty stoked to get her in a pack um i thought she really i mean as if my selesian deck wasn't already good enough among my friend group i thought uh and just put it over the top. Uh, the Boros, uh, the Boros uh, Maze Runner, uh, was Tajik Blade of the Legion. Uh, he was a two-two for two, a red and a white, and he is indestructible. And in his battalion, so whenever he attacks with at least two other creatures, he gets plus five, plus five until end of the turn. So he is indestructible, and if he attacks with two other creatures, he's a seven-seven indestructible. Um, he was pretty good. I um, I had a Boros deck. I had him in there. I don't remember ever really having him like a being a factor in a game uh but i think if i think if you obviously if you had him out there with a whole bunch of other battalion creatures like i said fireman avenger with that lightning helix on a stick if you just attacked with a whole bunch of stuff um with battalion i think and that's obviously the goal of boros right you want to get all those battalions out there and swing i mean he just becomes a seven seven indestructible so either he's hitting hitting you for seven or um you know, a creature's obviously dying. Um, but what I uh but what I really liked, and again, I know I mentioned last episode, I, I did try to make a Demir mill deck and I thought Mirko Vosk, the Mindra drinker, uh Demir's Maze Runner, uh, was just really <laughs> really, really good. He was a two four flyer for three, a blue and a black. And whenever he deals combat damage to a a player that player reveals to- uh, cards on top of his or her library until he or she reveals four land cards and puts all those cards into his or her graveyard. Um, yeah, I don't really know what else, what else much to say about Mirko Vaz other than that. If he got off and dealt damage, um, it was <laughs> it was fun. I mean that. I mean four land cards. I mean obviously you know your opponent can get lucky and mill just the top four would be lands, but I mean come on. It's just so good. So he was definitely a problem among my opponents when I would play him. And then lastly, um, I thought Melek, is it Paragon, was pretty good. Uh, You play with the top card of your library revealed, and you may cast the top card of your library if it's an instant or sorcery card. Um, And then whenever you cast instant or sorcery from the top of your library, you can copy it and choose new targets uh, for that copy. Uh, And he's a 2-4 for 4 of blue and a red so very powerful abilities on pretty much all of the maze runners um they definitely really helped um with what the guilds like were trying to do like mechanic wise and everything like that so they had good intro packs they had good you know maze runners and stuff like that but i want to talk about some cards that among dragon's maze well actually first of all let's talk about clue stones um clue stones were an artifact that cost 3 and you can tap for the guild's colors, and you can sack it for the guild colors, uh, and draw a card. That's fine. Um, you know, right now it's like the it's like the locket's except the locket's costs, I believe, four hybrid of the guilds, and then you can sack it to draw two. But I remember when these, I remember in Dragon's Maze packs, these were common. In Dragon's Maze packs, I think, I think I got four in a pack one time. Um, there was a lot of packs where. I think four was the most, and I I don't remember seeing. I don't remember getting any more, or or getting any packs with uh, four in it again. But I definitely got three a lot of times, which they stack up. And I don't. I mean, it was a small set. Dragon's Maze was uh, below two hundred, and how many cards were in the set? So I remember that. I was like, wow, I just got four clue stones in one pack. It's like I don't. I thought it was kind of ridiculous, and I remember watching like uh, like box openings on YouTube too, when Dragon's Maze came out, and all the cl- it was just so many clue stones. Um, you know, having one's okay. Um, and but they I I remember I they like they, they definitely stacked up, and I, I remember I think I did actually throw away like a bag of clue stones. I mean, they there was a lot of clue stones, and stuff like that, but um. In terms of just there's just a few I mean, again, I'm Dragon's Maze had its moments. They had a lot of good cards. And I remember the first month that it was out, um, it was it was pretty good. It was hot. Um, everyone seemed to really like it. But then after like probably like the first month, month and a half after Dragon's Maze came out, it like just kinda died. And I didn't open up that much Dragon's Maze, so like and I and I this was before I like looked at spoilers for the set. Per se the only knowledge I'd have is by um, you know, watching a bunch of uh, YouTube uh, box openings and stuff like that. So, but as you can imagine, imagine your first pack of Dragon's Maze and you open up a trait doctoring, um, again, very casual here. Uh, you know, I want big creatures. I want spells that are effective. And I open up a trait doctoring, which is a sorcery for one and it changed the text of target permanent by replacing all instances of one color. Color word with another, or basic land type with another until the end of the turn. Um, what? And it took me forever. It has Cypher, and the Cypher mechanic uh, is you may exile this spell and encode it on a creature. So basically whenever a creature deals combat damage to a player, it does the card that Cypher to it. But I remember this card gave me such a hard time. Um, I didn't know what to do with it and stuff like that, I just, I was so confused, and I opened up a lot of trade, I never bought, like, a booster box of, uh, Dragon's Maze, um, clearly, um, I did end up getting a fat pack, but, and the funny thing is, I didn't get the fat pack until, like, probably a year after Dragon's Maze came out, it was just, like, kind of one of these things, and I'll, and I'll, I'll get to my Dragon's Maze fat pack, but it was, like, one of these things, like, I was, like, oh, wow, like, I really need a Legion's Initiative for my stack. I was, like, might as well buy a fat pack, which is something you should never ever do but I actually worked out i actually did get a legion's initiative and in my dragon's maze fat pack but yeah. imagine trait doctoring and then um imagine also the card possibility storm which is just a huge wall of text um it's an enchantment it's three and two red so uh enchantment for five and whenever a player casts a spell from his or her hand, that player exiles it. Then exiles a card from the top of his or her library until he or she exiles a card that shares a card type with it. That player may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then she puts all the cards exiled this way at the bottom of his or her library in a random order. Um. Yeah, I even casually, I didn't play this. I know it's not bad, but it's just... Look at that wall of text. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just, like, the immaturity uh, player in me, but, yeah, I, there was no way I was going to be playing that card. Um, again, it's not total garbage, but um, I opened up a lot of possibility storms, too, and it just got to the point where I was like, that's, like, enough already. Another uh, another rare that I seem to open up a lot of was a Renounce the guilds, which is an instant for one in a white where each player sacks a multicolored permanent. Um, situational, but, again, I think I think it was fine. It was just like it was one of these things like I could not ex- – and that's what happens with small sets, right? Um, you kind of feel like you're opening up every card um, or like every rare at least like three times, right? Um, but, yeah, you know, and then I one thing I didn't like about Dragon's Maze – also were the uh, the few split cards. I, I didn't mind like the uncommon ones where it was just the guild's colors. Like one side, say for Orzov example, one side was white and the other one was black. Like that's fine. But the rare ones were like, I'm looking at them right now. The, there was Beck and Call where Beck was Simic colors and Call was Azorius. Um, and Beck uh, Beck was a blue and a green And whenever a creature enters the battlefield on your turn, uh, you may draw a card. And again, these have fuse, so you can cast these at the same time. Um, And then call was four, a white, and a blue. And you can put four 1-1 white bird creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield. So I guess, essentially, you're paying eight to draw four cards and get four 1-1 white bird creature tokens with flying. But I didn't think these were worth splashing a lot of. Um, again, like I said, three colors among my friend group, um, in our early years was very daring. So, um, I just thought they were expensive. And then like, just trying to splash them in, uh, like at the time was just not worth it. I know I said I play. Oh, that, yeah. Uh, flesh and blood. I I mentioned that last episode, how i used that in my Golgari deck. Um, flesh was three, a black and a green. Where I can exile a target card from a, a graveyard and put X plus one plus one counters on a creature where X is the power of the card exiled. So that was, that cost five. And then blood was, I can have target creature deal damage equal to its power to tar- uh, target creature player. That one, I, I did actually, I actually did like that one because, um yeah, it costs seven unlike the eight, uh, which I guess one different isn't a difference, but. I thought getting counters on it, it worked with scavenge. And then basically it was kind of like creature removal to a degree. It was like fighting, but my creature wouldn't be taking the damage. It just deals its damage directly. So I didn't see, I did like that one. And then I, like I said, I threw in like a root bound crag and then like a gruel guild gate into my Golgari deck. Um, I don't think I ever got this card off. Um, again, it didn't really help to the whole three colors that we were trying to, uh, do. um, so it never really worked, and then that was kind of it. I didn't play, I didn't play breaking or entering. That was like the Rakdos Demir one, where breaking was a black and a was a black and a blue, and you mill someone for eight, and then entering was four a uh, a black and a red, and uh, put a creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control, uh, It gains haste until end of turn. So I mean that one was pretty good, but I mean that's another eight cost one, and again my friends and I had to take an account splashing. So, um, I didn't really, I that was one of those things where I did not like getting one of those in my rare slot. Um, you know, there was, I just thought there was a lot of other things I would have preferred to have gotten. Um, and I also like, and this is another thing I liked about Dragon's Maze. They also put, there was a chance that you could get a guild gate or a, a shockland and a, the guildgate's place in the pack, so you you know there was much more added value to that. I think, if I remember correctly, I think, I think in a box of Dragon's Maze, I think the average was two guild uh shocklands in a box. So at the time, I mean that definitely helped the value of it. Um, I got a watery grave in my uh in my fat pack, so and at the time that basically paid for like three-fourths of it if not almost all of it so uh it was nice and obviously if you've played during dragon's maze and stuff like that obviously there's voice of resurgence um you know there was voice of resurgence that was a big one um that saw a lot of competitive play and i remember as soon as i got a voice of resurgence in a pack and again this wasn't until like a year or almost a year after Dragon's Maze came out, I was done. I mean, I I used a lot of my Ravnica decks um, until almost, I mean, probably like three years. I mean, my Orzhov deck saw a lot of mileage and stuff like that. But I remember as soon as I opened up a Voice of Resurgence, I was like, I'm done. Um, And for those of you who don't know, Voice of Resurgence is a 2-2 for a green and a white. And whenever an opponent casts a spell during your turn or when Voice of Resurgence dies you put a green and white elemental creature token onto the battlefield um with this power this creature's power and toughness are equal to the number of creatures you control um yeah bonkers card um probably it was probably like really the only heavy hitter of dragon's maze like in terms of financial value um and dragon's maze had a lot of like you know nice $5 you know $4 cards and stuff like that but voice that was like the big um that was the big boy and and dragon's maze and i was i was really happy to get one of those um in my pack um just looking along here i remember um i really want a legion's initiative and i like i said i got one of those in my uh dragon's maze fat pack when i finally decided to get one um and legion's initiative is an enchantment for a red and a white gives your red creatures plus one plus zero and gives your white creatures plus zero plus one and you can pay a red and a white to exile it. And then flicker your creatures. And then at the beginning of your next end step, you return them to the battlefield. So it's a good way to buff your creatures and give them better defense and then also avoid a board wipe. Uh, I do run this now in a Jeskai um, in my Narset commander deck. So um, I thought that was really good. I was pretty excited to get that. And like I said, I was really looking for that. So yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I think Legion's Initiative was pretty good. Um, I, another enchantment I really like, and I do use this in my my Sadisi Commander deck, is Deadbridge Chant. Uh, this is a Golgari enchantment for four, a black and a green. And whenever it's the battlefield, you put the top ten uh, into your uh, library, into your graveyard, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, choose a card at random in your graveyard. If it's a creature, put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, put it into your hand. I mean, wow. I mean, that's just a good card. Um, especially, um, you know, if you have that, say, uh, say, uh, you know, you do that, you funnel like the 10 cards into your graveyard and then you have a for out there. I mean, that's just scavenge fuel. Um, you know, it's selecting at random. So you just shuffle that up. And then again, if it's a creature, you just put it onto the battlefield. So that was a very powerful enchantment. Uh, that went right into my Golgari deck. And like I said, now it's in my Sadisi deck which is pretty good um, overall. So, I mean, Dragon's Maze had, I don't know, it was just like one of these things. It was like, oh, it's like I really want to get some Dragon's Maze because there is good stuff, but it's like, oh, my Lord. It's like, am I going to open up a Trait Doctoring or a Possibility Storm or even a Skylasher? I'm not hating on Skylasher, but it's a rare. That's a 2-2 um, for, uh, for one and a green. Uh, that has reach and protection from blue, I mean, yeah, a 2-2 with reach, protection from blue, can't be countered, but like, again, and this is strictly, again, remember, this is strictly casual, Um, but yeah, that doesn't do it for me, Um, I just, I, I opened up a couple of Skylashers, and I don't remember ever playing them, I just felt like there was better things to be played, I mean, obviously, the protection from blue is good, because a lot, I mean, blue has a lot of flyers and stuff like that, but, you know, it's just like one of these things, it's like, oh, it's like I, I could have gotten pretty much any other thing except for trade doctoring and Possibility Storm, and I would have been pretty happy and stuff like that, but I remember a card, and I, again, I think I had a couple of these, uh, Advent of the Worm, uh, was a, uh, 5-5, or was a, uh, instant for two green and white and one, and It's an instant, keep in mind, and you get a 5-5 green worm token with Trample, so you could flash it in, surprise, blockers, um, and it would just be a good card. I remembered that um, when that came out, a lot of the YouTubers really liked it and stuff like that. I'm not really sure how that did, but, I mean, it's a 5-5 for 4, essentially. Uh, 5-5 with Trample for 4, and then you can surprise block it it because it's an instant spell. So, overall... That was a solid card. I thought a lot of a lot of I mean a lot of the uncommons in the set too are really good. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers Sin Collector. That was a two one for one a white and a black. When it enters the battlefield, uh, target opponent reveals uh his or her hand and you choose an instant or a sorcery from it, and they exile it. Um, again another very good, another very good uh, another very good uncommon, um, in the set. So. You know, I again, I just didn't, I just didn't really like Dragon's Maze. I thought compared to Return to Ravnica and Gatecrash, it just didn't do it for me. Um, I thought it was a set with all ten guilds would have been just spectacular. But even, you know, even Ralzarek, the uh, the planeswalker in the set, um, you know, he wasn't great. He is, uh, you know, he was two a blue and a red enters with four loyalty. His plus one is tap target permanent and then untap another target permanent. Uh, his minus two is uh, he deals three damage to target creature or player. And his minus seven is flip five coins, take an extra turn after this one for each coin that comes up heads. Um, no one, as far as I'm concerned, any of my friends that had that have never gotten that off. Um, and then his plus one, um, it wasn't bad. His minus two is good. Um, it's dealing three damage, but... Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, I thought Dragon's Maze fell a little short. Um, you know, casually, I, again, casually, I thought it was fine. It definitely, you know, my friends and I definitely had cards in there that we definitely thought were useful and stuff like that. I just think, um, it was just kind of missing some of like those whoa, wow factor cards like, um, like Gay Crash and Return of Ravnica had, um, and stuff like that. And, it's funny because compared to I know last episode I just I went on about my uh, gay crash fat pack, but actually I mean I think my dragons maze one was better just because I mean I got three mythics and at the time I got a blood baron of viscopa and he he was good and I, I remember his price dropped like hard, but I remember he was up there I think twenty dollars at one point and he was 4/4 for a 3 a white and a black. He had lifelink protection from uh white and black. And as long as I had 30 or more life and an opponent had 10 or less life, um he got plus 6 plus 6 and had flying. So if you're able to do that ability, he's a 10/10 flying lifelink protection from black and from white. I mean, come on. It's just phenomenal. I threw I'm going to throw him. I'm planning on making a or I'm planning on throwing him in my Aloro deck that I have. Um, just because it makes sense, um, to do that. But I don't looking back, I don't think I ever got him to go off like that, just because my get decks weren't good enough to like consistently stay above thirty and stuff like that. But he was really good, especially with that X ability. If you got a lot of things out there, um, you know, with X and you were just able to cast off some spells, and, you know, you'd think it'd be quick. And I had other cards not from Return to Ravnica that helped me with life gain and stuff like that, but I mean, whew, I mean that's a pretty good card. I really liked him. And then I also got a Reaped Intellect in my fat pack, which isn't bad. It's a sorcery for uh, two blue, black, and X. Uh, so target opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose X non-land cards from among them and search that player's library, Hand and Graveyard. Uh, for cards with the same name as those cards in Exile them, then that player shuffles his or her library. Um, I thought it was good. I threw that in my Demir deck at the time. I thought it had a useful... It had uh, good use. So, I I, I mean, especially because I... Especially um, now. I mean, obviously, it, because I knew what my friends were playing. Um, so, it was like one of these things where we only had like three decks. It, you, You know, you'd play that and then... You know, cards with the same name. So... I was able to kind of pick and choose what I was able to... uh, Obviously, I I doubt that's all competitive play, but um, with playing against my friend's decks, you know, no sideboarding or anything like that, um, it was fun to use. And then a card I never got because I didn't really take Rakdos seriously was Master of Cruelties. And this guy, you don't want to mess with Master of Cruelties. This guy was a 1-4... For a three black and a red. For a first strike death touch. And he can only attack alone. And whenever he attacks a player and isn't blocked, it deals one damage. Or that target player's life total becomes one. And he assigns no combat damage. I mean, he has to be dealt with, obviously. My one friend who made a Rakdos deck had him. And I know he's probably beat me once or twice because of Master of Cruelties. I mean, that's just a mean card. Um I never got him... Uh, in my Dragon's Maze stuff. So, but, I mean, again, that's just a good card, um, for the set and casually. So, you know, I think it was a combination of just, like, a lot of, like, just mediocre rares and then just the whole bunch of Clue Stones and then stuff like that. And then those, those, uh, the rare split cards with the different guilds. It just didn't really help Dragon's Maze overall. Um... You know I didn't come to make any new decks because, like I already said, I already had most of my stuff already made up just from return to Ravnica and gay crash so yeah i and I remember uh again when I got my I think fat packs were generally like thirty five dollars I remember when I bought my dragon's maze one I think it was twenty twenty eight dollars so I mean, I think I still made my money back I mean again, that watery grave definitely definitely helped things out and I thought it was nice that. Uh, they still were able. You were still able to get a Shockland possibility in those packs, and all that. And I, and I just thought it was funny that the Mythic Mazes end where it enters the battlefield tapped, and you can add a colorless. But you return Mazes end to your hand. You can pay three tap to return to your hand and search your library for a Gate and put it onto the battlefield and shuffle the library. And then if you control ten or more Gates with different names, you win the game. That's definitely been played around with. Uh, I don't think any of my friends ever got one. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if if we did, someone would try to work around that. So overall, um, I think just compared to, just compared to, uh, you know, Return to Ravnica and Crash, you know, and then a set that had all 10 guilds in it. Um, we were just kind of expecting it to be like, wow. And instead it was kind of just like a whole bunch of like meh commons. You know, obviously, again, they had their cards. You know, they had good stuff. I mean, everyone knows Voice of Resurgence and stuff like that. But then just the rest, just the most of the set was just kind of like, what am I supposed to do with this card and stuff like that. I don't think a lot of the cards in the set, other than Voice of Resurgence, saw any form of competitive play, which I didn't worry about at the time. But it's just something to think back on and be like, huh, uh, you're right. Not a lot of cards did see competitive play from Gay Crash, But you know i i joke around with my friends and i always say that i always say that dragon's maze was just awful and stuff like that but you know there's definitely arguments uh for people liking it and and it's fine if you like it um you know i can see why you would like it. It, it it's fun you know you can draft with it and stuff like that but uh again i just i was coming f- starting basically a gay crash and then having a set where all ten guilds were able to, uh, we're all we're all in one set. Um, I don't know. I was just kind of expecting more. So that's going to put an end to this one, guys. Um, thanks for listening in. Uh, we're now available. This podcast is now available on Spotify and the Google uh, Google Podcasts. So you know we're growing. Um, next week, I think I'm going to begin uh, the Theros block, so it should be very exciting uh, stuff for next week. I'll touch on my initial thoughts and obviously what decks I was looking to play and intro packs and everything like that. So uh, thanks for uh, tuning in and make sure you follow uh, the podcast on Twitter at moon Alpine. Uh, Appreciate you guys. Have a good one.